Hey folks, Chris and Rich here. Uh, just want to talk to you real quick about the folks we do our podcast hosting through. Our podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Now, if you're thinking about starting your own podcast or you're looking for the best home for your podcast, I want to encourage you to check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, it's unlimited. So visit uh, podbean.com slash V-O-R radio to check it out today. And again, that's podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash V-O-R-R-A-D-I-O. Thanks for checking it out. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're wanting to podcast, this is a really great place to do it. We've been doing with this with them for quite a few years now, and we've been very uh, grateful for all their help and for their the tools that they have available. Please give it a che- uh, check, and I think you'll be happy with it. So now we're on to the show. Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Chris Honholtz joining you on this March 10th, 2023. Sort of just me, but not. <laughs> the reason I'm explaining that is that you are about to listen to a recording that I did with Andy Olson of Echo Zoe Radio. We did a kind of a joint crossover podcast venture. And we hope that this is going to be a real blessing to you because we're hoping that maybe you'll be able to use this as a means of helping reach others with the gospel, perhaps people that you know in your life, family members, co-workers, friends, etc. People maybe you've been trying to reach, people who maybe are just not grasping the, the, the need of the gospel, the need for the forgiveness of sins. And the reason I say that is one of the things we wanted to talk about is the sinfulness of sin and why a pe- uh, people need to hear the gospel and why they need Jesus Christ. So our hope for this episode is something that while it is, should be beneficial to you because we always benefit from hearing the gospel, we also hope it's something you can use in proclaiming the gospel to others. Perhaps you can share this link with others. So this will be a joint venture. Perhaps if you're a listener to Echo Zoe Radio, you may hear this on his podcast as well. Andy Olson is a wonderful friend of ours. We've we've done crossovers before, both uh, myself and, well, not yet Rich. Rich was going to record with him this time and uh, was not able to, which is why it's just me today to, uh, doing this intro. So please enjoy this and, and please benefit from it, but also think, consider... Can this be something that's beneficial to you to share with others? Uh, thank you for being a part of our program. Thank you for listening, sharing, and, uh, and, and praying for us. We are always so grateful. So sit back, enjoy this conversation, and, and hope, pray that this gospel presentation that we did for a little over an hour may be used to bring people to Christ. May it be some small tool that the Lord uses for his glory in the proclamation of the gospel. God bless you guys and enjoy the, the next, this coming program. Chris uh, Honolds, it's a real pleasure to have you back once again. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I always enjoy being on here. Thanks for having me, brother. 
Yeah, no, ironically, I was set up to be on with your co-host for the first time. Every time I talk to you, I say, I want to do something with Richard. And we were going to do something last night, but um, as your as a Voice of Reason listeners know, um, Richard has some disabilities and um, often has uh, things come up related to that. And so he had to ask me to, to take a, a, you know, come back some some other time, and which I'm happy to do. Uh, he's got a lot going on, so he does. He does. Uh, so prayers for him, and thank you for doing this and um, for coming in and f- filling in for him. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'm, I'm I'm grateful to do it any time, and uh, this helps us because on uh, like you, I was going to be recording with Rich in just a couple days, but um, Rich, you know. Well, he his health issues, you know, our listeners are aware of. Sometimes it's it's in addition to that, our family matters that come up, and and Rich has kind of got several things of those going on at one time. Yeah. So this helps us out too. We're grateful to have you on our show. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> and so what we talked about, and I'm kind of stealing from what I was going to do with Richard on this. We were I, I didn't have a concrete topic, but I think kind of in the last few minutes, I, I last hours, I should say. Um, and I hammered down what I what I'd really like to do with the show, and I, I you seem to be really on board with it. And Absolutely. so, really, my purpose for this episode is not for you, the normal listeners. It's for your friends and your uh, family members, coworkers, those people that you care about that you've been sharing the gospel with, and um, you're just not sure that that it's getting in and that the the Holy Spirit's working in them. And so we're going to take this episode as an opportunity to talk to them for you and pray that what they hear maybe is, is, uh, you know, just from a different perspective that the Holy spirit maybe uses that to reach that person and, and bring them into the kingdom. Amen. Love it. So I'm going to let you kick this off. I mean, let's just start with when you're, I mean, we're just going to do a unscripted, gospel presentation for the next hour or so. Absolutely. And I'd love to. Thank you. Um, And and just like, as you said, this is one of those things where number one, as Christians, it should be something that we always desire to hear the gospel. We should always be reminded of the gospel. So it should never be something where we kind of go, Oh, this is old hat. I know it. I'm more interested in more other things. Everything that we do is tied back to the gospel. So, for the Christian, even though, as, as Andy said, this is maybe geared toward people that you know and, and are attempting to hopefully share the gospel with, family, loved ones, etc., or maybe you encounter someone who could benefit from it, this is also a good reminder for you. Our joy, our peace is tied to the gospel. Apart from it, uh, we don't have any hope. We don't have any anything to be reliant upon. We don't have anything that we can... Um, be grateful for, because without it, we don't have any hope of salvation. And the the thing about the gospel is that you cannot know the good the gospel is good news. Mm-hmm. You cannot know the good news apart from the bad news. And I think that's one of the things, especially in our current day, it's, it is, it is the, if there's any sin in our current culture, it's to tell people that something is a sin to tell mm-hmm. people that they're wrong, that the, what they're doing is wrong, that, any uh, anything that they think is is permissible is uh, forbidden by God, and that there will be judgment for it. But we have to start there, 
And I know it's it's a scary thing for a lot of Christians to go down that road because we're always told you don't want to chase people away from Jesus. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to scare them away from God. But we need to understand something first and foremost is that apart from Christ, none of us are on a path to God. There, you know, Romans chapter three, Paul makes it clear, citing from the Psalms, there are no none good, no not one. There are none who seek after God. We may seek after a form of God, but typically that form of God is what we see in the mirror. That God looks like us, talks like us, thinks like us, feels like us, and is okay with the things that we are okay with. And um, it, the interesting thing about that is I was just, I only got to watch some of it, but there was um, on Apologia Radio, they had a video with a an individual by the name of, I think it's Brandon Robertson, who is a advocate for basically Every, anything and all things gay Christianity, essentially. Okay. And and he utterly rejects that being homosexual is a sin, utterly rejects that the scriptures are the word of God. And everything about the God he spoke about was a God that looked amazingly like Brandon Robertson. Ama everything about joy and happiness and peace are the things that Brandon Robertson, you know, uh, finds joy, happiness, and peace in, in a yeah. world at least. So you understand that when, if someone tells you, well, you can't do that, you're going to chase them away from Jesus. You're going to, you're going to cause them to, to run away from God. They were never running toward God. Like Brandon, he, they are running toward a God of their own imagination, their own creation. They are running toward a, an idolatrous God. Yeah. So you, you can't chase them away. You, you can't chase somebody who, oh, it's like saying, um, you're 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 chasing a you're going to chase that criminal away from the police. He's already on the way, running away from the police. He doesn't want to go to the police department. He doesn't want to go to jail. You can't make them go faster. They're already dead in trespasses and sins. That's what scripture tells us. Yeah, I wanted to just mention, um, and I, I guess I, sorry, it slipped my mind as I tossed it over to you, but just what I want to say up front. You know, if you're listening to this because somebody sent you the link and said, Hey, I'd love it if you'd listen to this, that person loves you more than you understand. That's why you got the link. And they they they're trying to to share the the hope that's within them, not because they're um they want to put you down or, you know, castigate you as a, as a sinner, you know, we're going to talk about sin and what that is and why it's important to understand it. But that's not their point. They, 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 they we're going to talk about sin so that you'll understand the other side of the equation, the, yeah. the savior part of things. And they sent you the link to Equizoi radio or voice of reason radio because they love you. They care about you. And it's akin to finding out that, you've got this deadly disease that's going to kill you mm -hmm. and they know the cure and they really want to give you the cure. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, the thing that we, like I said at the beginning, we need to understand is there's, there's a God who has created us. We are made in his image and likeness. That doesn't mean that we are some form of God, but rather unlike the, the rest of the animal kingdom, we have the, we have a sense of self-awareness. We have a conscience. We have a ability to think and perceive and make choices, moral choices. We're able to communicate those things, and we're able to to 
love and hate and have emotional connections to our thoughts. These are all attributes that in some way God has communicated to us, not to the level that he has, but at, at, at a finite level. Mm-hmm. And it makes us unique and distinct. And because of that, God breathing life into us, making us in his image and likeness. He is, in a sense, the ability, he has the right to command of us our obedience, our worship, our uh, uh, for us to love him as our creator. And really, that should be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if God has made us, if God has given us life and breath, he's given us this world to live in, it makes no sense whatsoever to reject him. Without him, you have nothing. You have no life. You have no breath. And if you're an atheist, I'm sorry you don't like hearing that, but that's simply true. De- denying the God who created you and denying his ownership over you is kind of like telling the judge in a courtroom, I I deny your right to have authority over me and the laws that you're charging me as, as having broken. It doesn't matter if you reject it. It doesn't matter if you deny it. If you've committed the crime, you're going to be found guilty and you're going to go to jail. And the same holds true with God. And so uh, as a result of that, the one thing we have to understand is that God has given us his commandments. He's given us his law contained in the word, in the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books of scripture are his revealed word to us. And in it are contained the commandments that we are to live by. And so when we reject any of those commandments in favor of our of something that we choose to do, we are breaking his law. We are violating his commandments to us. And we are telling the God of the universe, what I want is far more important than what you desire for me. Now, the, the law is not just a list that God came up with, got bored one day and decided, eh, I think this is good and this is bad. Right. The law is, is a reflection of who he is. It's an extension of his nature. Lying is a sin because God does not lie. Murder is a sin because we are made in the image and likeness of God, and he created us. And to murder someone, to the wanton taking of a life, is to kill that which God has created maliciously. To, to covet God is a provider of all the that we have to covet, to desire that which you do not have as if you should have it and you earned it and it's yours is to, is to say of God, he is not a, a good provider to lust after someone who is not your wife or your, or your husband is to say that that which you don't have yet is, is not fair. And God, again, is, is failed to provide to worship anything. That is not the God of the universe to worship any creation, any creature, any graven idol, even something created in your own mind that is not God is to deny the existence and the authority of the God who has rights over you. R.C. Sproul said sin is cosmic treason. Mm -hmm. Think about it this way. If you lived somewhere where a, a, a sovereign king, a good sovereign king who provided for all that his people ever needed, and you shook your fist at the king and called him a tyrant and evil, and how dare you, and I demand to be given that which I desire, 
you would be committing treason against a good king. You would be uh, attempting to wrest him from his throne, essentially. And that's what we do when we sin against God, when we worship a God of our own creation, when we you know, are disobedient to his commandments, when we lust after a person who is not our spouse, when we tell lies of other people, when we demand to be recognized in our, our identity, which God did not give us, which is so common today. You know, it's no longer I am a creation of God. It's no, I'm I'm of this particular uh, long string of gender identities. I'm of this sexual persuasion. I'm of I'm a cat. I'm a dog. I I wish I could say that as a joke. But unfortunately, there are people who now now think this way. I, I literally listened to a video of a person who says she morphs into a bird. It, it was mind-numbing to hear. And they believe these things. And so to say to God, I identify not as your creation, not as what I was made to be when I came from my mother's womb, but and not what you knit me together to be in that womb, but rather I choose, I decide what I am. I want my emotions and the world around me to affirm my emotions, that's the most important thing. When we say that, what we're telling God is, you are not God, I am. That's cosmic treason. That is resting control of the universe from the God who made you and gave you life and breath and calling him to, on him to, to be your cosmic butler. To, to affirm you, to, to make life your way. To act as if there's never anything that you've ever done that doesn't deserve his judgment. It puts you on the throne and throws God into the, the darkness in the alley. Sin is the most vile thing we can do because the person who gave us life, who then has the right to say, I want you to be in communion with me. I want you to obey my commandments. I want you to worship me and be with me for eternity. We have said, no, I want it my way. And that's the thing about sin, especially in our current culture. I, I said it a little earlier. The only sin in our current culture is to say that there is sin. Mm -hmm. to, to tell someone no, you can't do that, that you are disobeying God. It is the most vile thing for someone to be told no. And what's interesting about that is once upon a time, we knew that the most important thing, the lesson we could ever teach our children was to tell them no, that they couldn't have everything given to them, that life wasn't going to be fair according to their standards. But what we could do for them is to teach them that not everything they that uh, entered their minds or their little hearts their little selfish desires. The best thing we could do for them is to tell them, no, that's not good for you. All right? No, you can't stick your finger in, a, in the light socket. No, <laughs> you can't, you can't uh, drink the rat poison. No, you can't go play out in traffic because we knew it was right and good for them. It protected them. It grew them. And hearing no meant they grew in maturity and wisdom. But today we say, if you tell someone no, you're depriving them. You're, you're uh, destroying their mental health. You're making, you're, you're hating on them. You're destroying them. 
you vile, terrible person, how dare you say the word no? God has given us his commandments, not so he could just you know, rain on our parade, but it is what is right and good for us because it is a reflection of who he is. So when we tell someone, and, and you said this just a minute ago, if, if someone is listening to this and they, and they go, why would this be shared with me? I hate what I'm hearing. The person loved you enough, as, as you said, Andy, mm -hmm. they loved you enough to, to bring you to the foot of uh, the cross where Jesus Christ bled and died for your sins. Those sins, those acts of cosmic treason that you committed against the holy God who created you, who gave you life and breath, you demanded your way. You demanded that the world and the universe be conformed to your desires and to your emotions. In this culture today, we think the greatest and best thing we can do for someone is make them feel like everything they've ever wanted about themselves can be granted to them, affirmed and celebrated because that somehow uh, fulfills them. It makes them a whole person. It makes them feel great. They, they no longer may, will be in conflict with self and culture. And so what we, the greatest, most loving thing we can do is give somebody everything they ever wanted. And it is the most destructive thing. It's like telling the child, Go ahead and jam the penny in the light socket. That's what you really want. It'll make you feel great. Go ahead and play in traffic at five o'clock. You know, dodging the cars will be wonderful for you. We recognize the foolishness of doing such a thing because it is destructive. That child will die in those circumstances. But we, we have now drank the poison that the culture says, affirm everything that God has said no to. Affirm that. Because that's going to make someone's emotional status better. But at the same time, it puts them at war with God. And that's what, when I hear debates like what they did on Apologia Radio today, it breaks my heart. Because people like Brandon Robertson say, you are being so mean. You're so hateful to this, you know, this uh, sexual uh, minority, this LGBTQ minority, you're destroying them. You're, you're, you're causing hate upon them. And what is he referring to? He's not talking about, uh, you know, the, this eternal condemnation that they're going to face. He's talking about that, what they feel right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And our culture says it is more important that you feel good now and never give any concern for the future. Never give any concern for eternity. Sin is an, it has an eternal consequence. Ray Comfort has this great analogy about how we can understand something as simple as a lie is worthy of eternal condemnation. And he starts with, if I lie to my child, I have broken trust and they might not be happy with me, but that's about the most that, that, that I'll experience. If I lie to my wife, I'm probably going to sleep on the couch, maybe even lose my marriage. If I lie to my employer, discipline of some kind, possibly losing my job. If I lie to a grand jury or a judge, I'm looking at criminal. Uh, I'm looking at criminal action. I could spend time in custody. If I were to lie to Congress or to the president, I could be convicted of treason. What's the difference? It's the same lie. 
It's the level of authority that each holds. When I lie at the lowest level, very little consequence. When I lie and the highest level has been offended, greater consequence. God is the highest level. Yep. You know, King David of Israel committed a grievous sin against a woman, against her husband. He slept with the man's wife, killed the man to hide it. When David writes to you know, a psalm to God, he says, against you and only you have I sinned. Does that mean he never sinned against the, uh, the, uh, Bathsheba and Uriah? Absolutely not. Of course he did. But he recognized his highest sin, his most grievous sin was the sin against God. All the acts that he did, the lying, the coveting, the lusting, the fornication, the murder, all of them first and foremost were against the highest authority, God himself. All the things that happened, if there were no God, yeah, it can have impact on his kingdom, and it did. But that's the, the worst that would happen. But against the highest authority, he can be condemned eternally for, to hell. And David, in his repentance, recognized that. That his grievous sins were first and foremost against God. In our day, I know you don't, if you're listening to this right now and you're beginning to seethe, I get it. Because right now you're being told by the world around you, your emotional state, your sense of well-being, your sense of identity and affirmation is the most important thing. And I understand why you feel that. Because we all want to believe that there's something about us that hold, that we hold to that this is unique. This is my core. And if you take it away from me, I'm nothing. I get that. But if your desire to create this identity for yourself puts you at odds with God, then it is your identity versus God. God will come out on top. Oh, but I think my God would want me to be fulfilled. That's the problem. It's your God, not the God. Mm -hmm. God has enumerated in his scriptures he knit you together in your mother's womb. He planned out your life. The word says, the word of God says that a man may, uh, may make his plans, but it is God that guides his steps. Jeremiah said that, you know, God had planned for him to be a prophet before he was even, you know, before he was even conceived in eternity past, God had plans and purposes for that prophet. He put you together in your mother's womb. He planned out what your life is going to be. And believe me, every encounter that you've had in life, good or bad, has been part of that plan. And he is, has that right over you. So when he says you're designed to be this male or this female, when he has said you know, for you to, to be in any kind of sexual union, it is to be one man, one woman in a lifelong relationship called marriage with very limited reasons for which a, a biblical divorce can happen. When, when he says you are not to lie, you are not to steal, you are not to covet, you are not to uh, you know uh, create a God in your own image. These are things that he has said because he has created you and he has made you and he is, these are the things that he desires for you so that he can have that relationship with you. But guess what won't happen because of your sin, 
because of this lawlessness, because of your rebellion, you cannot be in relationship with him. And your, your sense of well-being and your sense of identity no longer matter at all because you are now a rebel against a good and sovereign king. And each day that you draw breath, each day that you make a mental affirmation, no, it has to be this way. No, I must be able to pursue this in my life. No, I must be able to have allowed this to happen. And you ignore the conscience that he has given you over right and wrong. When you look at creation and deny his creation and deny his sovereignty over you, you war against him because you have made the plans and you said his plans are no good. So you are not, that relationship is now broken. And so your sin is exactly that. It is sin. It is rebellion. It is treason. And there is one punishment that he gives for that. Eternity in a lake of fire. It is that serious. So without understanding that, without understanding that you are without hope, you cannot make up for these sins. You have already committed them. The crime is already committed. The guilt is rendered. You have no ability of your own power to make amends for that. You stand guilty before God. There is no hope in your own strength. That you need to understand. Because apart from that, the gospel makes no sense. The gospel is the good news. Andy, have we made this clear enough? Yet? I think so. <laughs> I think so. And I, what I'd like to add to that, I mean, you've laid it out really well of what sin is. And I think that if you're not a believer in Jesus, if you're not a Christian, it's easy to hear through that condemnation that Chris and I are better than you somehow. That's not the case at all. Or the person who sent you this link, not the case at all. Like we are all there. Chris was there. I was there. We, we were not always uh, believers. We were not always Christians. We were not always people who love the gospel or the Bible. Like uh, most Christians start off as people who are hostile. Host, I mean, outright hostile. Not just we think we're, you know, uh, we think that we love God, but we really don't. I mean, there's a lot of those, but a lot of us were outright hostile. And so it's not a, this isn't like to, to put us above you or above anybody else because uh, the Bible says that there are none righteous, not one. That, that we're all in sin. We're all born into sin. We come into the world in sin. It's our nature. The reason why we sin is because we have a sinful nature and not vice versa. We're not sinners because we do sinful things. We do sinful things because we're sinners. And what that means is that we are in our very nature, we do the things that God despises. We go against God. All the things that, that Chris just laid out, that it's our nature to want to do those things. But that's why we need the Savior so much. That's, what, what, that's where Jesus steps into history to, to, to right the, the, the greatest wrong of all time, the cosmic wrong. And that is that he took upon himself all of that sin. Rather than it, it's, like, it's like being in court like you were brought in, you committed a crime, you're arrested, you're brought before the judge, and you're asked to plea. But before you give your plea, 
the judge's own son steps in front and says, your honor, I plead guilty to that crime. That's where Jesus comes in. That's the cross that Jesus lived the perfect life, being the son of God, not having that nature upon his birth. He came into the life without that nature, was able to live a perfect righteous life to not violate even, even a tiny, tiny bit of God's will. And yet to die willingly on a cross, one of the most gruesome ways that man has ever invented to die and to do that for us. Chris, you want to? Oh, that's, that, that's the thing. I mean, stop and think about what's being said. God, the son, eternally God from eternity past. Never a time when he was not God. God, the son came into this world and took on humanity. Why? Why would he do that? Why would God take on humanity to become part of his, become like his creation? Because you said at the beginning, just a minute ago, we were born in sin. Why? Because when God created this world, he created Adam, he created Eve, and gave them one commandment to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In deception from the serpent, Eve sin, fell into sin. Adam willfully sinned, condemning all mankind. Why? Because Adam acted as, you know, this is a biblical term, our federal head. In other words, he represented us. Now, you may balk at that and say, well, I didn't ask him to do that. I can't be guilty for what he did. But in the same way that if our president goes to another nation and commits an egregious act that draws us into war, all of America is held responsible. Whether you voted for him or not. Whether you voted for him or not. <laughs> in the same way, Adam acted as our federal representative in the garden. And if you think, oh, I wouldn't have done that, believe me, yes, you would have. None of us mm -hmm. would have passed that test. He condemned all humanity and all creation in the fall. And now through what he passed down to us, we have that sin nature. So because of one man's sin, as the scriptures tell us, all were condemned to death. The wages of sin is death. And death is what we described a minute ago, that eternity in the lake of fire. The wages of our sin is death. Because of one man's sin, all, all mankind was condemned. Because of the second Adam, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who is now our federal representative before God. He came into this world, lived a perfect life, as you just said, never once sinning in thought, word, and deed. Christ made it clear. He came to do the will of the Father, and the only thing he did was the will of the Father. He never acted of his own accord. He never once turned away from the mission that he was given. He came willingly. And where we fail in every day, we sin. He did not. He obeyed every aspect of the law. And scripture tells us that he was tempted in all ways human, yet without sin. Thus, the, the second Adam, 
the next the the the, the other man who is now our representative came into this world and succeeded where Adam failed. He obeyed God in always human. Excuse me. He was tempted always human, and yet succeeded in being obedient. And because of that, he was a sinless sacrifice, a spotless, unblemished lamb. When you look at the Old Testament and the sacrificial system, there was this massive emphasis on the spotless lamb for the temporary forgiveness of sin. There was this continual act of sacrifice. You were constantly going to the altar, sacrificing this lamb for your sins. A temporary covering, an imperfect, but a important symbol of the sacrifice to come in Jesus Christ. That lamb took what you deserve for your sin, the slicing of its throat, the draining of its blood, the slaughtering of the body, the burning on the altar. All of that we deserve for our sin because of its act of cosmic treason. Remember that lamb suffered that the guilty may be temporarily covered. Jesus Christ in his perfect obedience as a man is the sinless, spotless lamb that thou, those sacrifices pointed to. So God, the son takes on humanity, lives a perfect life, thought, word, and deed, never once sinning. And then is arrested for crimes he did not commit. The, tr the trial was a sham trial. It was a violation of every Jewish law. They held a trial at night, which they were forbidden to do. They had to have uh, two or three witnesses that agreed, which they could not find. And they could not compel the, the accused to testify, yet they told Jesus, we adjure you, that's like we compel you, speak about this, are you the Christ? They violated every law in that trial. And then they found him guilty of crimes he did not commit, took him to the Roman governor and demanded his death. So much so was this, uh, so obvious was this a sham trial that the Roman governor was intended to let him go, but for fear of a riot, put Jesus to death. Now think about that. The absolute God of the universe willingly sent his son, God in flesh, to live a perfect life of obedience so he could be arrested and tried and put to death for crimes he did not commit in the worst, humiliating, painful way possible, crucifixion. Why? So that he, Jesus, could receive the penalty we as sinners deserve. The wages of sin is death. God meted out the judgment, the wrath of, him, of himself upon Christ, for the sins of men. What they deserve, what we deserve, was poured out upon him at the cross. And it's not merely the beatings, not merely the hammer and nails, not merely the splinters of wood and the damage to his body and the pain, but it is, it is the turning of his back on his own son, the, uh, the wrath of God 
poured out that we all deserve that happened at that cross. And it is, as I've had so so many people say, it is where justice and mercy kissed. Because at that moment, every sinner that will ever be saved, those sins were paid for. Mm -hmm. The justice of God satisfied at the cross. That's also a picture, as you see, as you've been listening to Chris earlier talking about sin and the things that we do that God considers to be sin. And so often as human beings, we look at those things and we say, well, it's, it's really not that bad. You know, the things I do aren't that bad. Well, just to demonstrate how bad it really is, it took God himself as the person of the Son to become flesh and to come down and to die in your place for what those sins are. That's the only way to deal with it. It's that bad. It's that bad. When you stop to think about what sin is, cosmic treason, and you think about the just wrath of God, eternity in the lake of fire, What gracious kindness it was for Christ to step down from the throne of heaven, to take on humanity, to live in a humiliating set of circumstances. He was born of a virgin, according to the scriptures. His mother, a young maiden, betrothed to her, to her fiancé, becomes pregnant before they are wed. Everybody knew the rumors. Everybody knew what the you know the the you know scuttlebutt that Jesus, well Joseph really wasn't Jesus's father. He lived in Bethlehem. You know I think it was I think it was uh I'm trying to remember which apostle that was. This is, can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Nazareth. Nazareth. They lived. Nazareth. They lived in Nazareth. Lived in Nazareth. They went Bethlehem. to Bethlehem for the census. Right. Bethlehem for the census. Grew up in Nazareth. My apologies. Yep. Thank you. Grew up in Nazareth. Now think about the worst town in your area, the one that everybody knows that you just don't go there after dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe even not during the day. That's how. That was the view of Nazareth. Backwater, lousy town, questionable parentage, didn't have anything, to, uh, any money. You know, he's at one point someone sent, comes to Jesus and says, I'll follow you. He says, well, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He's an itinerant preacher at the age of 30 years old, going from town to town with a band of 12 men, most of which who are stinky somewhat uneducated (laughs) and uh, these weren't scholars and these weren't millionaires. They were people like you and me. In fact, at one point, you know, the, the, the Sanhedrin, when they're, where they're getting schooled by the apostles in the book of Acts are like, wait a minute. How you guys know this? You know, (laughs) you shouldn't have this kind of knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, these were fishermen 
tax collectors, zealots. These were not the people to start a religious reformation. Yeah. He lived a life that was not easy. He lived a life that was hard, where he was called names. He was, you know, his parentage was questioned. His heritage was questioned. He was called a, you know, a son of a prostitute. You know, he was told he was filled with demons. Why would the son of God, why would he take himself off the throne of heaven and come here to do this? Because he loved those he came to save. He endured all of this, all of it, for the sake of those whom he was sent for, for his bride. When he died on that cross, it is the greatest sin in the universe that ever happened. The Son of God killed on a cross for no, for no crime whatsoever, completely innocent in everything. It is the greatest sin ever committed. And it was the greatest act of treachery ever committed. And he did it willingly. Willingly. And he Why? said... He said, I'm going to, I do it willingly. So I lay down my life uh-huh. and I take it back up. And that, that's the thing. He did it willingly. Mm-hmm. Think about the person you can't stand most in your life. That particular in-law, <laughs> that neighbor that just drives you insane, that coworker who is just the worst, that bully that you had to deal with it as a uh, as a young person the person you just would that when you think of that's evil that's the person that comes up to your mind mm-hmm. now think for a second would you willingly go and suffer for his crimes so that he might be spared very few if any of us would ever say that and take it one step further. Would you send your son? No, you absolutely would not. That analogy of the, the son of the judge t- stepping into the handcuffs and going to prison for you. That's, that seems kind of, you know, it's like, wow, that's kind of interesting. That's, that's a powerful image. No, no, no. Think about it this way. You send your son for that vile person. Now you understand. No way. No way would I send my son. Even on his worst day, I would never want that for him. (laughs) But God sent his son and the son came willingly to bear the wrath of the father upon himself for the vilest among us. And if you think, well, I'm not Hitler. It doesn't matter. No, God, God does not grade on a curve. He does not. It says that all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. How many lies have you told in your life? It takes only one. Mm-hmm. There is no curve, just like you said. No. Curve. Yeah, and I just want to point that out. You know, it only takes one lie to be a liar, just like it only takes one murder to be a murderer. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. One sin, one act of cosmic treason 
is enough. But we spend a lifetime warring against God because we put our values, our desires, our wants, our lusts mm -hmm. over obedience to God. When you look at the scriptures and you see those things and say, man, I just can't believe that's just so terrible. That's so mean. This is such a judgmental book. That is your flesh crying out against the, you know, the very standard of God. And you know what that is? That is what the law do, is supposed to do. It is supposed to convict you. It is supposed to cause you to recoil. It is suppo it's supposed to, to expose you to the holiness of God and realize you don't have that. And what it's meant to do is drive you to your knees. Because that law is the reflection of the God of the universe and his righteousness and his holiness and what you will be measured against. You break one law, you've broken, broken the whole law. That's all it takes. And yet this is what's so amazing about the cross. Christ didn't just die. He was taken down from that cross, and then three days later, he rose himself from the grave. Unlike that spotted, uh, spotless lamb, that perfect lamb, that lamb could never rise from the grave. It could never do anything more than die and become lamb chops. Christ rose himself from the grave. Why? Because in that act, he defeated sin and death. Sin is the act of cosmic treason. Death is the punishment for that treason. Christ defeated both sin and death. So not only can one's sins be punished at the cross, but now a promise of eternal life can be made and fulfilled. It is by recognizing through the law exposing our wickedness of our hearts that we turn from our sins and then turning to the completed act of Jesus Christ at the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection that we can now have access to that eternal life. That, you know, that, that defeat of death is now given to us as a gift, a free gift, something we cannot earn. It is that free gift of eternal life because Christ not only took on our sin penalty, but in when we turn and trust in him, guess what we are given? His righteousness, what is called the great exchange. He takes my sin, but then he gives me something even greater. He gives me his righteousness. And now I'm clothed in his righteousness. I'm a new creation. I have a new desire. I have new hearts. I have a new heart. I, I am no longer something, someone who's bound to my flesh and to sin. I have been freed from sin. And now I belong to a new master. I belong to Christ. And I am free from sin. And I am free from death. And I am free from that eternal promise of judgment. But I now have eternal promise of life. I'd just like to read uh, a few verses First uh, John chapter one. I'm gonna start with verse five. We'll read to the end of the chapter. It's not very many verses. It's only uh, five to ten. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. Amen. I mean, think about that. We just talked about at the beginning of the show how terrible sin is, yet in Christ we are cleansed from that sin. I mean, it's kind of like right now you are dipped and dunked and inside and out covered with the nastiest miry muck you could imagine. Head to toe, inside and out. And in Christ, all of it is washed away. There's no more taint of sin. Now, the, the other part of this is that we are still in this flesh. We are still in this world. The temptation to sin still exists. Our flesh still wants to be like a pig going back to the mud. Our flesh wants to be cooled. It wants to be dipped back into that sense of self-affirmation, that self-pleasure, um, which sin promises but never brings. And yet we can choose not to sin. We'll never be perfect. We're going to still stumble into sin. We're just going to have moments where our flesh just screams and we give. Kind of like a child having that temper tantrum in the toy aisle. Mm -hmm. And a parent in weakness says, fine, I'll buy the toy. The worst thing you can do. <laughs> Every, anybody who's had a child for more than five minutes knows this. And in the same way, we will give, we will stumble into sin. But yet we have Jesus Christ, the righteous. This is the best part. We have Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is our eternal advocate to the with the Father. Even when we sin and our conscience accuses us and drags us down, and Satan is there as the accuser saying, see, see, you don't belong to Jesus, you're still sinning. Who is the righteous one pleading our case? The one who died for us, the one who rose for us, the one who purchased us by his blood. This is where true joy and peace come from because our sins tell us we'll be satisfied. Our sins tell us that if we just live this way, we'll always be at ease, we'll always be at peace. And yet we're constantly chasing it, constantly trying to find that joy, that peace. And, and, and our culture is bending over backwards to try and make this happen for, well, everybody but Christians. Um, everybody everybody gets a, a trophy. Everybody gets an acknowledgement. Everybody has their identity uh, recognized, except Christians. Um, <laughs> but different topic for a different time. Uh, but we're, we're bending over backwards trying to make this happen. And people are still miserable. People are still angry. People are still bitter. People are still chasing that dream, that, that sense of affirmation, that sense of peace. They just, no matter how much we give, it, it just never seems to be satisfied. And that's because sin is a beast. It's a monster. And the more you feed it, the bigger it grows. We see that in, uh, especially in celebrity culture. You see Absolutely. the people that, that, that work 
they they give their whole lives and work so hard for what they think will bring them joy. They get fame, they get fortune. And then what do they do? I mean, so many of them end up committing suicide because they get to the, what, what the culture says is the top. Yeah. What our world says, this is as high as you can go. And they yeah. realize this is just as empty as I've ever been. A- absolutely. Probably the absolute most um, obvious example of that. One of the most gifted comics in the world, Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. To this day, I think there are a lot of celebrity deaths, but I think Robin Williams in our age is probably the one that hit people the hardest because he seemed like he was the, the most joy-filled person. The man could act. He could hit every genre. He had power. He had power in delivery, timing and com- uh, comedic or in, in comedy was just a, a talent. So many, so many ways around. And then one day he takes his own life. We couldn't see it coming. While there were things about him, we know that drug addiction was an issue. We know that there were other issues in his life, but his seemed to be this amazing story. And then one day he takes his life. Why? As you said, the pursuit of that, which this world values has so little promise on the return, or it gives up so much promise has so little return. Mm-hmm. Because it can never satisfy the fleshly desire. You you can give your flesh everything you want. You can give in to every temptation. You can appease it with every decadent form of entertainment, every pursuit of uh, whether it's riches or uh, people or sexual sin or drugs, whatever it is. And don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying well if you, all these things so down don't don't, uh, don't satisfy so try Jesus. No, I'm not going to pull a Rick Warren on you. The simple fact is that you cannot. You will chase everything, trying to cool the desires of your flesh, and you will never be able to do it because it will always want more. Why is addiction such a powerful thing? Because the first time you try it, it's amazing. The second time you try it takes a little bit more third time you try man, it's just not getting anywhere and the more you chase it the worse it gets and you are constantly chasing that feeling that you got the first time you hit you use that drug or alcohol addiction is powerful and it is a perfect example of what sin is it is this constant chase for the promise of joy and pleasure and peace that we can never get in this life Because the more you do it, the more you sear your conscience, the more you desire and chase after whatever the flesh calls for, the less it will please you because it will never satisfy it. There was a a hokey film back in the 80s called Little Shop of Horrors, and there was this plant that would eat people. And the more it ate, the bigger it got. And the bigger it got, the more it ate. It's a hokey movie. It's silly, but the picture is there. The more you feed it, the bigger it gets. And you can never feed it enough because it will just keep growing. And that's sin. That is your flesh. You will never, ever make it feel better. Mm -hmm. And so in our culture today, where we chase identity in terms of gender and sexuality and every other thing, where we chase uh, body positivity, where we decry anything that makes somebody feel bad, where we chase celebrity, where we chase notoriety, 
where we chase button clicks on social media, influencer status, whatever it is. You're chasing money. You're chasing prestige. You're chasing a dream. You will always be on that chase and culture will always tell you it is the pursuit of that and the, uh, and the uh, uh, accumulation of that that will make you a happy and healthy person. This culture could shut all of us up about issues of identity and, and gag us and, and bind us and put us in prison cells somewhere, which I'm sure some uh, listeners may want to do to me right about now. <laughs> um, and it could make this utopia of sorts where it's all day, 24 seven affirmation and you will never stop the pain. You will never stop the sense of something lacks. You will never stop the sense of I, I, I'm looking in the mirror. I've, cha I've changed everything about myself. I'm looking inside myself. I've changed everything about that. I've gotten everybody to agree with me. I, I've chased every dream that I've ever had. And I still feel miserable. Because you cannot feed it. You cannot satiate it. It will only take more. Yeah. Because that's what sin does. And yeah, so and I think we're coming up on an hour, and uh, so I'd like to just leave people. You know, hopefully, we're we're speaking what the Lord has for us to to speak. That it's what you need to hear. Um, if you're not a believer, if we got you wondering, yeah, open your scriptures, mm -hmm. and I would recommend and. Chris, you're welcome to throw in your recommendations, but I recommend you either start with the book of John, which is one of the Gospels. you got four Gospels. There are four counts where they, they talk about Jesus and who he was and what he does, what he did and does. Mm -hmm. And um, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John presents Jesus as the Son of God. And the other one I recommend is the book of Romans because Romans really hammers in like who we are as people what our condition is. It, it looks at Romans chapter one is what sin is and how, like Chris was just saying, how you cannot satiate it. And uh, it gets into, well, what about the Jews? You know, that God came to the Jews first, but their condition was just as bad as ours. And then chapter three is what about the Gentiles? Those of us who were not Jews, our position is just as bad. We're mired in sin. We need a savior. And the rest of the book of Romans walks through that because of our situation, God sent his son. And it talks about what that looks like in our lives. So I recommend John and, and Romans. But read the whole thing. I mean, I think that you know when I first became a Christian back in 1999, I was just voracious. I couldn't get enough. I was in college. I had a lot of textbooks to read, but I put those aside and I said, I, I want to read my scriptures. Amen. A couple others that I would recommend is Colossians. Colossians talks about the preeminence of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all Things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, in that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross." This is the Christ. This is the one who brings genuine peace. The pursuit of the flesh will never bring peace, but genuine peace, peace with God. This is who you get it through. And Colossians points us to that. In chapter 3, he also writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The promise of eternity. Colossians is so beautiful, so powerful in telling us about Christ and who he is and what he has accomplished and where our minds and our hearts are to be. But for those who have heard this and are like, I don't understand why I was directed to this. I'm a Christian, but I don't agree with. Then I want you to direct you to the first John. First John tells you a thing or two about what it means to be a Christian. Now, this is where people get a little cranky with us Christians sometimes. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're, you're demanding works to, uh, to be saved. No, not at all. See, the book of James tells us that, you know, a faith that does not produce something in it, it, that there's no effect to look at. In other words, if you shoot a firework into the sky, the effect is the explosion. It should light up the sky. It should light up the sky. A change in your heart, a supernatural recreation of you, of who you are, produces something. And it's a desire for obedience. Mm -hmm. Even if we stumble and fall, we don't make it a pursuit to chase after our lusts and our desires. The book of 1 John takes the professing Christian through question after question, test after test. Have you genuinely bowed the knee in repentance and faith? Now, for the genuine Christian, this is a, a joy mm -hmm. because we go, look, yes, I'm stumbling, I'm struggling, but I have this advocate for me. And I see where I'm not living that way I used to live before. And I'm, I'm pursuing these things. But for the person who is a hypocritical false professor of the faith it burns yeah it's, i like first john as well as we all go through a phase where we start to wonder you know and we we start to understand the gospel but then we start to wonder that is am i really saved have i really repented have i really placed my trust in my savior you know in a saving way first john walks you through that and it, and, it, and it says this is what your life looks like that yeah. even though you're going to stumble and you're going to sin and you're going to do things that you know are wrong it shows you how you treat that situation absolutely absolutely and that is what is so amazing about that book and it it encourages repentance which is a, a beautiful thing for the christian mm -hmm. and it drops you to the knees if you realize I'm not the Christian I thought I was. Maybe I have always just pretended. And now I need to truly 
repent and turn to, to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully, in in my opinion, those two, I, I absolutely agree. The book of, first, uh, book of John, beautiful, beautiful presentation of the gospel, the deity of Christ on display, you know, going to the cross, you know, dies, buried, uh, dead, buried, resurrected, beautiful presentation of the gospel. And then the book of Romans is such an exquisite explanation of what it means to be a Christian, what we actually believe and how we practice. And then Colossians, the beauty of Christ and first John, the, the test, the reminder of what it means to be in Christ and what that leads to. I would encourage all, of course, I would encourage you start in Genesis, end in Revelation and do it all over again. Um, you, you need the whole, yeah. the whole council of God, but those are some really great places to start. Yeah. But don't get caught up on the feeling like you need to read it in the, the order in which the book is put together. You know, it, you can read it Genesis to Revelation, but it's more important than you read it than you read it in a particular order. Just make sure you read an entire book in its context. Yes. Yes. Please don't, please don't do the, all right, Jesus, tell and, me where to read and open the book. <laughs> and if you want more, I mean, both, uh, my show and Chris's show, Equizoi radio voice of reason, radio, our whole purpose is to kind of take you through then, um, the rest of theology. You know, my show is all about digging into the, to the theology. What does the Bible teach and how do we apply it in our lives? And, and in many ways, uh, your show is as well. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and find a good church. And you yes. know it's a good church if the Bible is the center of everything. Mm -hmm. If you go in and they're teaching, we call it expository. You don't get hung up on the big word. Um, <laughs> verse by verse. So our churches, your church, my church, the pastor picks a book and he just starts preaching chapter one, verse one, and he just goes until he's done. He might do two, three, four verses a Sunday. can take years to get through a whole book. But that's where you know that the Bible is central. Amen. Amen. No, I absolutely believe that. It, the beautiful thing about podcasts like these is uh, your show and, and Voice Reason Radio is they can be a, a helpful tool in your toolbox to help you think about issues, think about theology, Think about how certain things play out in day-to-day -day life. Um, that's what we try to do with Voice Reason Radio is we literally just take topics and say, okay, how would we look at this through the lens of Scripture? Yeah. That's what we want everybody to do. But they're tools. Right. They're simply tertiary supportive tools. Yeah. Your local church is your first and most important place of religious education. It is where God will plant you under hopefully sound biblical teaching pastors who will care and guard over your soul, who will, if necessary, bring you under church discipline when you refuse to repent of sin. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Same, same, as, good same thing. as when your parents disciplined you for lying to them or mm -hmm. breaking the house rules. It's a good thing where you will be with other believers who are growing with you and at various paths along the way. Some new believers like you, some somewhere along the journey, some as they're getting closer and closer to glory mature and wise and you come together and each being gifted by God to, to edify and build each other up under that beautiful verse by verse teaching. So your, your first and primary support is the local church. Don't ever let a podcast 
of any kind supplement your pope your your, your uh, submission to the local church mm -hmm. we are at best a tertiary tool we, we are grateful Amen. that we, we all listen we are so grateful when people listen absolutely want to be a help but yep. we are never a replacement yep. now i know you'll agree with this there are unique circumstances where and we have a couple of listeners who are in this situation they are for to say uh, to put it as politely as possible they're homebound they cannot get out because of their unique physical circumstances that will be different and that has to be dealt with by local that should be the exception as not, the exception that not is not the rule. the rule yeah so please don't go well what about yes there are what abouts those are the exceptions so let's yeah. let's not get bogged down in that uh, but yes please get plugged into a local church and then if 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 Andy or if our show can help you in any way, we're grateful for it. We love Absolutely. having you here, but don't forsake the gathering of the church. Church first. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I'm amazed if uh, we still have listeners by <laughs> 68, <laughs> almost 69 minutes into our, since I hit record, <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening. And, and, and thank you for the person who sent you the link to listen to this. Uh, they, like I said, they, they love you more than you understand. They care about you more than you understand. So. Amen. Amen. All right.